Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and this is episode number 275 of the podcast. It's the 28th of April, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, Anna Brown and I talk about our theme in the Living Joyfully Network this month, stories. Diving into this theme has been fascinating because there are so many ways in which story weaves through our lives with really far-reaching impacts. We talk about the stories we tell ourselves and our families in our day-to-day lives, the stories we share about our family with others, and the stories we create in our minds about what other people are thinking and feeling. It is so empowering to realize that we can choose the stories we tell. Being intentional about the way we think and talk about our lives is a form of self-care, and it can help our children grow up without the weight of past stories like those that have been handed to us. In the Living Joyfully Network, our shared goals are to embrace lifelong learning, develop strong and connected relationships with our children, and cultivate a thriving unschooling lifestyle in our families. We are a safe, inclusive community where parents come together to engage in candid conversations about living and learning through the lens of unschooling. In the network, we don't tell you how you, quote, should unschool. We share experience, not advice. Our collaborative approach grows out of our belief that there is no one right answer that applies to all families, especially when it comes to learning and parenting. No two families are exactly alike, not to mention each child in a family is unique. We share our diverse experiences and insights as more information to help you explore and discover what works for you and your family. If you're curious to learn more about the network and our vision and values, check out the link in the show notes or just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash network. And before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Molly Mekiewicz. Hi, Molly. (laughs) Thank you so much. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now, here's my conversation with Anna. Welcome, I'm Dan Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Anna Brown. Hi, Anna. (laughs) So this month in the Living Joyfully Network, our theme is stories, which I'm loving because there are so many stories to explore. (laughs) The stories that we tell ourselves, there's the stories we tell others about our kids, there's the stories that we kind of assign to other people, what we think they're thinking, (laughs) then we're going to talk about them all today. So I'm excited to dive in with you. To start off, I love this quote that I wanted to share. It's from The Storytelling Animal, How Stories Make Us Human 
by Jonathan Gottschall. And it is, story is for a human as water is for a fish, all encompassing and not quite palpable. Truly, humans are storytelling animals. It's how we make sense of our world. And realizing that everything is a story can be a life-changing paradigm shift. I really think so. Everybody, take a moment to think about the truth of that. Everything is a story. And that's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. It is. It's how we make sense of our world. So with that fundamental understanding, it's about being intentional about the stories that we're telling ourselves and we're telling others and the language that we're using. Asking ourselves why we're telling the stories that we are and why we're making the word choices that we are, right? That really brings so much nuance to our story. And it's just such a valuable realization, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, for me, truly understanding the role of story has just been so pivotal. Like that awareness allowed me to step back and observe. So where's the story coming from? You know, does it feel real to me and who I am in this moment? That's an important one for me. Is it serving me? You know, and if I've held on to it for a long time, why? You know, why have I held on to that story? Who would I be without that story? That's another one that I really love thinking about. And those questions really can only come about once you kind of take that veil off and realize that everything's a story. Then you get to dive in and have those questions. And through the questioning, I could hone in on what was really working for me. And I could start to change my story to be more reflected of me as the person I am now, the person I want to be moving forward. You know, and I could see the role of story more clearly and use it as a tool instead of being held hostage by it, which is kind of how I felt before. And for me, like you said, language is such a big piece of that. You know, I try to be so intentional about the language I use, and that's whether it's about a big defining event or a very simple task in front of me of daily living, you know, because in those language choices, I'm developing the story that informs my day and tells others who I am. And so that piece is so critical, just the seeing it, seeing it for what it is, and then how do I want to create my narrative? What language do I want to use? I know. And once you see the scope of it, it's incredible, right? Because it's not only the stories that we're telling ourselves, but it's understanding that the stories we're telling others about ourselves or about our lives, that is the picture that they're going to draw from it, right? All right. So first off, I want to look at the stories that we're telling ourselves and the realization that they become our self-talk, right? Our inner voice. And sometimes we don't think we have control over our self-talk, right? We think it just happens in our head, but we truly can change that over time as we make changes intentionally to the language that we use and the stories that we tell ourselves, because it's worth taking a moment, taking that time to listen to our self-talk more objectively. And now um, with this understanding, listening to our self-talk through the lens of, this is a story I'm telling myself. Is it helpful, right? It's so useful to question that for ourselves. We can. Yeah. And I mean, I think, like you said, so often we we know we have this self-talk, but we really don't think we can change it, you know, and we're not even really sure a lot about it. So I love the idea of really diving into that. 
Um, because self-talk is just an aspect of our story. It's, it's no different. It's no more powerful or not powerful. You know, it's not this boogeyman. And sometimes, you know, our self-talk is the stories that have been handed to us, perhaps by our parents. And what's so important there to realize is that the story they told, even if the story is about us, is their story. It's not ours and we don't have to take it in or own it. It's about them, where they were at the time and the stories perhaps that they were handed. And so that's the thing, like we can just keep continuing to hand down these same stories or we can take control of our narrative. We can look at who we really are and what's actually in front of us and then write a story that lifts us up because that helps us be the person that we want to be. And it will inform our next steps in a given situation. And I think that's what's so important. That's how insidious the stories are when we carry these stories from someone else because they change our energy and then they inform our next steps and it keeps us on that same narrow path. And, you know, this is something that comes up in the way we live with our children too, obviously. Um, you know, I didn't want to hand them a story. I wanted them to tap into who they were inside because so they could craft their own story about their authentic self without me adding weight to that. So in doing that, leave space for different approaches, different views. You know, we're all individuals and our stories weave together as a family, of course, but we each have our own personal narrative. And that narrative, that serves us by helping us define what's important to us, where our focus is and how that will flow, who we want to be. And so I believe if it's coming from inside of us, that it'll lead us to our best path, like our path for our best life. And if instead, you know, it's filled with other people's ideas about their shoulds for us or their, even their ideas about us, then we can lose our way and start to be defined by other but I guess what I want to say, too, is that at any moment, we can take back the reins. Like we can examine the stories that we're clinging to and we can make choices because, you know, it's always about the choices with me, Pam. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So much in there. So much. Um, I loved the the point about realizing that the stories other people are telling about us, you know, especially the stories we grew up with, right? Because they have become often the self-talk, what we tell ourselves, why we're behaving this way or why we're too scared to do this or why we're always too sensitive, you know, all those kinds of stories to realize that that was just somebody else's perspective, somebody else's story about us. It isn't our story, which leads to what you were talking about. When we give our kids and ourselves the space to develop our self-awareness, right? Then when we're understanding ourselves, that's where we can tell our authentic story, our true story, what feels real and right for us. And that is so valuable. And along the lines of um, our stories with our kids, I also um, really, it's really important to me too to understand how my stories that I'm telling are being heard by everyone around me, right? Um, in the network this month, you shared a really cool example. So, you know, maybe we're telling our partner the story of our day and, you know, maybe we're exhausted by the end of the day, right? So we're telling it as it was such a hard day. You know, we were busy, uh, you know, I'm so tired now, you know, whatever made it feel hard for us, um, and if our child overhears that, 
while they're thinking they had a really fun super day with us, right? We did all the things and we had so much fun. We can definitely impact the stories that they're telling themselves and their inner voice, like just like we were talking about, by the stories that we're sharing about it, yeah. right? And to be able to choose, like, again, it's our choice, right? Choose a more positive story to tell. Yeah, I was thinking sometimes I wanted to tell a hard story when Rocco came home because it kind of justified me being home with them, you know, they, you know, a stay-at-home parent, you know, this was years ago when, when I left work and, and stayed home, but, you know, to explain that I had worked hard too, right? So just that understanding, that realization myself, that I didn't have to make it look hard, even when I'm exhausted, I can realize that it's a good exhausted. It was a worth it exhausted because I had fun too with them. So sometimes we just think about the moment and we're telling the story of this moment and it kind of grows to justify, you know, oh, we did this and this. But when we tell like a true story that feels good and realizing the other people that can be hearing it and realize the stories that we're planting, maybe our partner thinks, oh, like she's having a hard time all the time at home. Um, They may think they need to fix something. Whereas we're just happily exhausted, truly, and the day went the way we would wish it to go. But yeah, it's just so valuable to pay attention to the stories we tell, isn't it? Well, and I think it's about um, peeling back to the whys and having that open communication. Because, right, so you're wanting to kind of justify, and, and I get it, like I was wanting to like, this is hard work, you know, at times, but I'm choosing it and we're having a lot of fun. But realizing that that's what I was looking for, I didn't need to tell this tale that kind of cast the day in a negative light. We could just talk about, I'm exhausted. It's been amazing. It's so fun. And, you know, now I maybe want to take a walk by myself or I want to do whatever. But and because, you know, sometimes that switch over or when, you know, a spouse comes back home can be fraught with like this energy because, you know, they're thinking, oh, my gosh, she's had a bad day or I want to help him or whatever the case might be. And so we just need to look at why are we doing that? And so there'll be some points later on in this discussion too, where that's part of the stories that we're putting in their head and all of these pieces. And when we have open, clear communication, we don't have to make up these stories that can have these unintended consequences, like you're talking about with maybe casting the, the kids going, but wait a minute, didn't we have a good day? You know, wasn't it so fun? And anyway, so just that clear understanding our why, clear communication about what our needs are really helpful. So when you have some stories going, why am I, why are the stories going? What can I hone in on to, to change that? Yeah. And I think it's really just getting to that, getting to your why and getting to that intentionality, right? Yeah. To realize that these stories that I'm telling um, have are living in the world. Yeah. Okay, so um, looking at the stories that we're telling others, it can get complicated as we get further along in our unschooling journey because familiar words have a new richness to them. (laughs) Now, uh, to explain that, I wrote about it in uh, my book, The Unschooling Journey, in stage 14. So, you know, we're getting on there. We're getting on there. So I thought I'd just share a quote just to describe what I'm talking about. We are using familiar words to describe our lives, but they have a richness to them that we discovered on our unschooling journey. 
This richness is invisible when viewed through conventional filters. Where they see anarchy and parents leaving their children to flounder and fail, we see strong and connected relationships and parents actively supporting their children as they explore the world. What they don't see is our active and engaged presence. They don't see parents and children living together as trusted and respected individuals. And why would they? That's not the conventional family environment that they would expect. We've just completed a long and sometimes challenging journey to understand and appreciate the unschooling way of life, and it's likely they have not. It's valuable to realize that our words are interpreted by others through the lens of their life experience. And they aren't wrong. It's their truth. So telling our stories big and small to others, is about communication. So considering our audience, being intentional with our language and owning what we're saying is so important. Is what I'm saying true? Is it how I want to be seen by others? What do I need from the conversation? It is so valuable to consider that our audience may be taking in our words completely differently than the way we mean it. I mean, just something as basic as, you know, um, we don't follow a curriculum or I don't make my, we don't have a bedtime, you know, whichever aspect you're at in your journey. Um, just saying those things puts a picture in someone else's head when they don't understand um, where we're coming from. They see the chaos that that can create or the they'll never learn anything because they don't think kids want to learn, right? So being careful with how we describe things depending on who our audience is, is so very important. (laughs) Such an important point. I'm going to repeat it again. Like others will see our story through their lens, what they know. And and that's the thing. That's okay. (laughs) Understanding that helps us put their comments or reactions into perspective though. And so the relationships we have, the work we have put into creating them is often not seen or understood by the people who are in a more conventional paradigm. But because I knew that most wouldn't understand those nuances of our choices, I kept my language really centered on joy because there was lots of joy and bringing that energy, the energy of how grateful I was for our life and all that it entailed really set the stage for the interaction. And they still might not always get it, but it didn't lead us down a conversation path that wasn't going to serve either one of us. And that's the piece you were talking about. Know your audience. You know, I can have these deep, nuanced, unschooling conversations on the network. You know, that's the perfect place for it because we're all on the journey and doing things and enjoying it. But, you know, like you said, simple words can be triggers to people that are, are in a different place. And it can be bedtimes and it can be academics and it can be whatever it is. And so it's understanding that they're always going to see it through their lens. They really can't see it another way until they start to do work to peel back that and kind of open up about it. And not everybody wants to do that, which is fine. But just understanding that, because I think sometimes we can feel so um, attacked or judged by other people's language about our story or their reaction to our families. 
And so a critical piece for me in letting go of that was understanding this piece, that they're only able to see it through their lens and their experience. And so they don't know my insides. They don't know the insides of my family. They don't know the relationships that we had. And so then that just made it so much easier for that to just wash over me and then connect with the person on another level of something else, you know, and not go into that and not feel judged and not then create, you know, a conflict. Yeah, yeah, that that understanding was was so valuable, you know, and sometimes we'd have been kind of, you know, with our unschooling crew and, you know, hanging out at home doing our things and we go out and and I would kind of share a story that had more unschooly language in it or, you know, no familiar words, but but from me, I was expressing it and then I could tell from their reaction, but yeah, I could let that reaction go. And then I could shift my language, how I was moving forward with the story or depending on the relationship with the person, I might explain a little bit more. That's the wonderful thing. We have control over our stories and what pieces we choose to share and how we choose to share it. And just understanding that um, other people come to conversations with their lens and not expecting them, not expecting them, number one, to first understand, not expecting them to even be curious to understand, right? We can't control where they are on, on their journey and, you know, perfectly happy. Uh, another point that's really interesting to think about, as you were saying, you know, sharing our joyful stories, um, sharing things that are, I think that's really fun too. It just turns things on its head a little bit than the typical conversation. You know, what grade are you in? What's your favorite subject? All that kind of stuff to just talk about something fun that we're doing or something fun that we did or, or, you know, just appreciating our child to other adults when they're so used to other parents complaining about their children. But what happens when we are sharing our stories that way, we also attract people that resonate with that kind of language that see their family that way too. So it's also a very cool way to meet and connect with people who have a similar way of seeing and being in the world, right? Yes. And because that's who I want to be, I want to be around people that are doing the same because that's where I learn and grow in that. That's where I see them facing a challenge and finding the light in it and finding the gift in it. And then that helps me do the same. And so that was important to me to attract the people. And and you absolutely do it by what you put out in the world. If you're out complaining and miserable and unhappy, then people that like, yes, it is so terrible, you know, then want to join you. The whole, you know, misery loves company kind of piece. But we can make choices there and people can see that. And and then again, when you get those closer relationships, you can dig into the nuances of those pieces with them. But they know that you're still wanting to hold light. You're still wanting to find the joy. You're still wanting to find the connection. And so that's how we find people that can help us grow. And again, that's what I love about the network, because I feel like we're able to do that there where we can share all these pieces. But with this light of connection is at our forefront, you know, our relationships are so important. And how do we move through these situations with that understanding and gratitude about that? Exactly, exactly. I love that. And I think this leads nicely to the next topic I wanted to talk about, um, because we're looking at the stories that we assign to other people. And we were talking about getting to the spot where we could let that kind of roll off, because so often we tend to assume the worst story 
okay, maybe that's just me, but I, (laughs) we think, you know, when something, when people react badly, or maybe we're feeling disconnected from someone, immediately the story that we tell ourselves is that we did something wrong. And we confidently tell ourselves that, right? But so often it really isn't true. So it's so helpful to remember that when we're thinking about what someone else is thinking about, that is a story that we're making up through and through, completely, completely. And no matter how well we know them, we still don't know for sure, right? You can't for sure make up a story that you can confidently say about someone else, what they're thinking. So as I think about that, part of my process of working through that was why would I put thoughts about someone else's story in my head that make me feel bad, right? Why would I even do that? I get to choose. It's back to choice again. And it's not about making it up, right? Because there are lots of stories that we can tell. It's about taking that moment to not assume the first story that we jump to is the actual story, right? Yeah. I mean, there have been so many interesting conversations around this this month in the network. And it's like, I, you know, so often we find ourselves putting words into people's heads and we will actually like play out scenarios to the end without the other person even involved, you know, they're upset with me. I did something wrong. They don't like what I'm doing. You know, whatever those words are that we're saying, even they're trying to hurt me. Their action is intentional towards me. You know, this is often so very wrong and messed up. Um, And so I have a friend that just honestly will create like these whole movies And the challenge with that is it doesn't leave room for anything else. You know, once you've created a story for someone, you start acting from that place with that energy. You know, have you ever had one of those dreams where it's so real and like something like, you know, your partner has done something really that is upset and you wake up and you're still mad, you know, and like, and they're going, what's happening? (laughs) But it's that kind of thing. When we create a story, like we can buy into that energy and bring that energy to the person and they have no idea. But if, like you said, instead, we can first have positive intent. Second, we can ask questions, leave space, remain open. You know, then the person is free to share what they're actually feeling. (laughs) And so often it doesn't even come close. So one of my friends a while ago shared a story that, um, and she didn't share it as a story. She shared it as fact with me that her husband didn't find her attractive. And she said, he actively avoids even touching me if we walk past in the hall. And I was like, wow, you know, have you talked to him about that? And she was like, well, no. And then when she did, she found the complete opposite was true. He was trying to be respectful of her space. And so he felt by doing that, that was, you know, he was being respectful of space and honoring her, but she had, and, and so then they had some communication around it and what would feel good to each of them. And then it's completely different now, but she had been telling that story for years and he had no idea. Like that's how insidious these stories are, you know, and I think it's just really worth examining the stories that we put on others, even if we feel justified, like you mentioned, even if we think we know them so well, even if we've held on to these stories for years, 
conversations are so important. You know, it's why we talk about it so often with our children too. You know, being open and curious leaves space. Pre-writing a detailed story does not. People <laughs> can feel that closed energy when you come with this pre-populated story and it can be so disconnecting. Even some light inquiry can shed light on what's really going on and giving space for each person to share their perspective. And then we can understand where, where the communication broke down, why we were seeing it differently. But that won't happen if we stay in our head creating stories. That will only happen with that choice of connection and having conversations. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And I think sometimes if I get stuck in a really negative story about someone else and I'm not quite ready to like, I don't feel confident enough to ask about it yet or bring it up. I found it really helpful just to start recognizing that it's a story first piece and then to to play. Like I love to think about things as playing to play with how else could this story go? So at least opening that up, And start playing around with, well, you know, what about this? What about this? Does this fit? Could maybe it be this? And then once I think of a few other things, even if they seem outlandish to me, I realize that there isn't just that one possibility that lightens things up. And usually when I'm feeling lighter and now I'm a little bit curious, as you were saying, about which one is it? I wonder, I wonder. And then usually I can get to the space, the energy, where now it doesn't feel so heavy and I can actually bring up the conversation with someone, right? Yeah, and that's what I, as soon as you were saying that, it's that little bit lighter. It takes a little bit of the charge out of that negative story with the idea of, wait a minute, there could be other explanations. I don't know which one is true for this other person, but look, there could be other ones. That little bit of lightness opens up space, you know, and and anyway, there's a couple other things we'll talk about later. About <laughs> we can't get to them, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it just kind of on the flip side too. what this understanding helped me realize is that I really don't know what's going on in another person's life um, that have led them to make whatever choice it is that they made, whatever reaction that they had. Yeah. And maybe... <sighs> We don't think that we'd make that same choice or have that same reaction if we were in their shoes, but understanding that we just don't know that whatever it is, is valid for them helped at least help me find so much more compassion and kindness in that moment for them to be able to just quickly accept that their story is their own. It's their truth, right? Yeah, it really helps. All right, so now I'd like to look at the stories we tell ourselves about our family and to say take care with expectations and roles because both those things can really complicate our stories. So last week on the podcast, I talked about rules versus principles and expectations that we place on others can definitely be received as rules, right? Which short circuits, they're developing self-awareness It feels disconnecting and it weakens trust in our relationship. So expectations like in this family, we, whatever, maybe it's something as simple as we say, thank you. That's a story. And it decreases self-awareness because it becomes a rote answer rather than the child having the space to take that moment and realize that they feel thankful. It feels disconnecting 
because they are expressing to someone something they may not be feeling. And it weakens trust because they don't feel seen by the other person. There's so many aspects to that, isn't there? Yes. I think it can be so tricky because it's fun to envision, you know, what we want for our families and thinking of the things, you know, we love and how much fun it'll be together. But if we aren't looking and including the individuals involved, it's just going to lead to disappointment and disconnection. And, you know, a friend on the network told a story about how she and her husband referred to these stories as acuelas. I'm going to say that wrong, but it's a Spanish word for watercolor paintings. And, you know, we can paint beautiful pictures in our mind. But again, if we're not checking in with the real actual humans around us and understanding their vision and who they are, you know, it just can cause so much upset. So I love that they use that word as like this quick little reminder to bring them back to the moment, to bring them back to what's in front of them and the people that are in front of them. Because like you said, we can make these definitions for our family. We're sporty or outdoorsy. But if we have a child that prefers to read books or play a game and be inside, then what we're doing is setting up this idea of good and bad choices, Mm -hmm. that one is better, somehow better than the other. And if instead we get to make the choices that make us feel good, staying true to who we are, then we have this space and it allows us to dabble in the other person's interest because we don't see it as a have to or a judgment about our choice. So like for me, I mean, as you know, I love being outside and all things nature. And that absolutely influenced my girls. I mean, it influences people around me because it's just who I am and that bubbles over. But they're different and have different levels of enjoyment from it and also different needs from it. You know, it, it serves a different purpose for them. But because I didn't judge their choices about that, they can freely choose from this myriad of options in front of them at any moment without that weight. And I've known families that have forced the outdoors on their children and some of whom hated it. And as adults, those kids don't want anything to do with it. And I've seen this happen with music, with instruments, with exercise, with food choices. We think we're pushing something on someone for their own good, you know, that type of messaging. But the message is really just, you don't see me or worse. It's something's wrong with me. And, you know, So often, the minute they're out from under that type of pressure, they will go so far in the other direction. And that's the challenge, because right there, it's become this psychological point. You know, we might actually buck against things that we enjoy or that would help us, because that's how much we do not want to be defined by another. And I have been there and done that. Okay. I know, (laughs) I know, me too. There's a lot of work to come out of the other side. And I did not want to hand that to anyone because it's just, it's so much work to quiet that noise and figure out my internal voice. What is it that I want in this situation without putting it through those filters? Yeah. Oh, so much, so much, so much. What is the most valuable is that self-awareness because then we're telling real stories about ourselves, right? Rather than all the stories about us that we have been told because expectations absolutely have judgment in there. <laughs> you, what you, how do you normally say expectations are pre, 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 oh, pre-planned resentments, yes. <laughs> right? Because absolutely, if there's an expectation on you and it doesn't fit with who you are, not only do you feel judged, you can come to resent it. And then that is a story that you will just pull away from so fast the minute you can, right? 
these are all just human nature. And I love thinking of it in that context of the stories, because sometimes that can help us understand um, what it is that we are inadvertently and with the best of intentions, putting on other people, right? To realize that our stories are our own and to own them and to love them. Like, like you said, you love nature, you know, all the things that I love, we still do those things. Those are part of who we are. But by not putting those expectations that other people should love them too, and hopefully love them as much as we do. Exactly. That's the piece. You know, that's the piece because yeah, I'm still going to always bubble up about the things I love and enjoy and tell my story about how they feed me or what it does for me or all the different things. But with an equal recognition of your story is going to be completely different. And when I can do that, I actually see, oh my gosh, I, I see what you're getting out of this thing you're doing that's different. I want to try a little bit of that. And maybe it's not going to be my main thing, but I'm interested in it. And it allows the kids the same because it's like, you well, I don't want to be like you out in the woods barefoot all the time, but I do kind of like this aspect of it. And so then it's, you're free to go back and forth and flow and make choices because you don't feel the judgment. You don't feel that I'm supposed to, or I have to, or that this is the right thing to do. And so all that weight is gone. And it's just about ooh, what do I want to do in the moment, what feels good, right? And how much you have to hold on to your story if it's different. Right. It feel like it like it's like, I have to keep telling them how wonderful nature is, even though I'm not making them do it. I ha- they have to see that. And they're like, I can't go out there because then she's right. and Maybe she's going to expect me to keep going out there. So I gotta hold on to my being inside. Like those are the stories we end up telling ourselves when we don't accept other people's stories as as being there, their truth. It's not the one truth, it's their truth, and both can coexist. And when you leave space for that, beautiful things happen, you know, and you, you're not reacting from baggage and you're not carrying all the weight that I carried into adulthood. <laughs> <You know? laughs> just, uh, well, I have a couple of things that I am just still trying to work through now. And it is so hard to peel away what's other people's stories and what is my reaction? What is my resistance from that story? Trying to get that story out of there so I can excavate what actually feels really good for me. What would actually feel good. And I mean, I I wasn't going to talk about just briefly, but for me, it was exercise and like, you know, health, because that was really pushed on me from my parents, my mom in particular. And so I would just be like, I'm not going to do it. I hate it. It's terrible. <laughs> you know? And I'm going to live my life and my body's whatever. And then it was like, but then finally, I mean, I'm 52 years old. And finally, and like four years ago, I was like, but wait a minute. I like moving my body. I like the way it feels to do these things and be outside and understand my body more and how it reacts to things. But man, like you said, I had to get that story out of there so I could even have the time to figure out and the space inside of me to figure out how do I want to relate to this for me, this particular activity or this particular thing. But oh, so yeah, mm, if we can not put our stories on other people, it would really be great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in full disclosure, I'm doing that right now. Well, with exercise and with food, right? Because, um, you know, I grew up in a ballet studio so there was a lot there for like 13 years or whatever and and it was quite easy for me with my kids 
because I could see I didn't want them <laughs> to have all these other stories. But, you know, now they're older and, you know, they're, it's not so much about for them. And now it's like, oh, I need to kind of explore how I feel about this. So, yeah, diving. And it's harder because I did the same. Like I left this really open environment for my kids about it and they don't have near the baggage that I do at all. But for me, it was then having to figure out how do I like so I knew it intellectually, but kind of owning it for myself was this next deeper step. Because again, that's how insidious these stories are. And, you know, recognizing them is that first step, that awareness that it's story. Exactly. And as we talk about, there are always more layers to peel back on our story. (laughs) Okay, so which leads nicely to our last bit. We get to choose the stories we tell. So let's try to choose those that make sense and feel better to us. So for any situation, we can come up with a number of ways to tell the story of it, right? And they all make sense in the context of the activity, the situation, and the people involved, and all could truthfully tell the story. But now we get to choose which one resonates most with us, which one feels better to us, which then, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, informs our actions moving forward. That is the power of story. Especially in more challenging situations, it's so valuable to take a moment not to just jump to the first story that comes to mind, which is usually like fear-based, usually the worst one, the worst interpretation of things. But if we take a moment to actually think of some other stories that would also do the same thing, um, we can help ourselves We can really help ourselves moving forward because if we just stick with that one, we get like tunnel vision and we start spiraling downward in our fears. We get we can get really stuck in there if we only see this one worst interpretation of the situation in front of us. So just taking that moment to come up with a few more stories, to choose the more positive stories, the ones that feel better to us. It's not about avoiding the truth because the different stories are all are all like they all incorporate the facts because the facts are the facts. Right. And for me, doing this is really a form of self-care. So instead of telling the versions that make me feel bad, that weigh me down, that pull me into that tunnel vision, I can tell myself the stories or the versions of the story that both make sense and feel better. Because from there, I'm in a more open and curious and receptive mindset, a place where I can now see more opportunities. I can be more creative in choosing my next step. My next moment is truly better. And I find myself kind of spiraling up and moving through it rather than spiraling down and crashing, right? And getting stuck, you know, Uh, my oldest and I have talked about this for so many times over the years because she is a master storyteller. And I mean, it's a gift like it is a gift that she has that is amazing. But sometimes it gets the better of her, you know, (laughs) because sometimes that story, you know, she can spin this intricate story about someone else or about a situation and it ends up making her feel terrible, you know. And so in the end, it's just a story. We're making it up in our heads. And I think once I realized 
that I decided, you know, if I'm going to make up a story, I'm going to make up a story that feels good, <laughs> that helps me feel connected, that helps me move forward as the person I want to be, which is exactly what you're talking about. So if my story spirals me to a place of being stuck, I'm not even moving forward at all. But if my story can kind of lift me and give me like, okay, I may not understand all the pieces, but I can feel okay about this situation if I look at it this way, then that helps me move forward as the person I want to be. And, you know, like we've talked about before, there are situations sometimes where I can get some clarifying information, you know, so that I have a more accurate picture because maybe someone else is involved and I can stop putting words in their mouth and actually figure <laughs> it out. But other times that's not possible. And when it's not possible, I, I just will always choose the story that feels better because it's just as likely to be true as the one that doesn't. And so I'm just wasting this time in this moment feeling bad about something that I have, you know, that I really don't know the full story. And so that's why I love that you tied it into self-care because that's exactly what it is. You know, I, I mean, it really is just this intentional choice to I'm going to look at what's in front of me and find a story that makes me feel good. And again, it's not about pushing the other things aside. It's not even about those, these things didn't happen or this, you know changing the story. It, it's just intentionally using the language that makes me feel good about what's happening around me. What I So for me, if it's, um, say, a particularly challenging or difficult situation, it's not that that difficult situation didn't happen, but I look for, okay, how am I, how have I moved through it? How did I get amazing support from the people around me? Look at how loved I am because they helped me through this. How did I, you know, learn something deeper about myself? Like whatever the thing, I can always find a way to then somehow use even what can be a challenging situation to make myself feel better, to move forward from there. And that just, I think for me, it's also just an empowerment piece, knowing that I can turn these situations that could be kind of game stoppers and get me stuck into situations that just boost me forward and allow me to be around the people that I love and to connect with the people that lift me up. And another a layer that I think it would be helpful for people to peel back and, you know, I'm still peeling back is why is our tendency to take on that weight, right? Why does it feel like the more positive spin or the silver lining is a cheat? Right. Like, yeah. right? <laughs> why, why, why? Because it's not. And to do that work, to peel back those layers and to realize like these are all stories. They are all, they are all versions of the truth like they could all be true right right but so i want to say there as people are thinking about this because hopefully you guys that are listening will be mulling this over too i think part of that is as a society we have these productivity pieces we have these um life is suffering pieces hard work pays off work is hard you have to do this and so when you find this kind of cheat of like, wait a minute, maybe it doesn't have to be so hard. Maybe I can be enjoying it. You have this feeling like, but wait a minute, that's not this prevailing message. But oh my goodness, set that aside <laughs> because, you know, you're going to have situations that come in front of you. We don't have to make situations more difficult. <laughs> you know, There's going to be plenty of things to work through. But when we can find that joy, when we can, you know, switch that focus, see the light, find the gifts in the situation. I mean, life is just so much happier, but, but we do have to shed some of those stories from society, some of those stories from even people in our lives in order to, to create what feels good for us. 
I love that. Yeah. I mean, just life is hard. Like, don't we hear that story all the time? And then if we tell a different story, the reaction can often be like, well, you're Pollyanna, you're not seeing the truth, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, that is just so useful to work through. I remember when I used to have like an online, um, you know, username or whatever, and it was life is good. And, and I would get people to comment <laughs> that would ask about that because it was just a different perspective. And you could tell that, you know, and we have people who come and like, say, you guys are always so positive and stuff, right? And they think it's weird at first, which is okay. And because it's part of the process of peeling back these layers and understanding that, our stories are ours to tell. And there's more than one way to tell the story. We don't always have to take the negative hard bent on it, right? So and and the reason that that I'm telling this story is for me. It's not to put on a show or to make anything look different for somebody else from the outside. It's because it helps me be the person that I want to be. It helps me in my relationships. And so that was really interesting when someone on the network pointed me that out where they were like, I get it now. I get that it's not your Paula Annie and, you know, the, the yeah. whole unschooling thing. It's that it helps you have these relationships. It helps you move through these situations. And that's absolutely it. Like, I'm not thinking about anybody else's reaction to me choosing joy or finding light in a moment because that's that's my internal work. Yeah. But it, I get that it, now I'm understanding it comes across that way as people are listening to it. But I'm like, oh no, this is just a tool. It's a tool that helps me connect with people, that helps me move through my days in a way that feels better. Exactly. And helps me be more creative. Yes. Helps me come up with more possibilities. So things with my kids work out better. When I do, like, that's a thing. You try it out for a little bit and you see how it goes. And you try it out for a little bit and you see how it goes. And it's like, wow, those things happened that in my other mindset never would have happened. And they were amazing. They were amazing for the kids. I had fun. Like, we all took a giant step forward because I told a different story to myself back there. And through experience, it it really, <laughs> the stories you tell yourself, and tell about other people matter. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Anne. It's been so much fun to chat with you about this. Always. Have a wonderful day. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.